What I will say though is that you know if we're if we're using the baseball analogy or the golf analogy, I I would say that the difference with cycling, unless you're on a single speed, is that you can choose the gear you're in at all times. And quite frankly, if you're riding up something so steep that you are grinding when you don't want to be grinding, then that doesn't mean that you should learn how to grind. That means you need lower gears on your bike. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 19 of the Matchbox podcast presented by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and this week we received a listener question asking us about optimal cadence for steep climbing. So we figured we would do a deep dive on the topic of cadence. Is there an optimal cadence for producing power? Should you vary your cadence while training to improve your performance? Does a faster cadence get you up that climb faster than a slower cadence? Stay tuned to hear our takes on questions like these and more. As always, if you like what you hear, share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. If you want us to cover a specific training-related topic in a future episode, send us an email to info at ignitioncoachco.com with the email title of the Matchbox Podcast, or find us on Instagram and send us a DM. All right, let's get into it. Where are we going, going, man? (laughs) You were just going to read us the idiom of the day. I just flipped to it on a whim. I don't think this should be the idiom of the day. It should be the idiom of the day, man. You You should just wing it. I don't even know what this word means. It can't be the idiom of the day. All right, here it is. To have a cadenza. Have you heard? Have you heard that word before? Cadenza. (laughs) I've never heard that saying before, and I've never heard that word before. It's from South Africa. That's the what do you say? The when you ask for the uh, what do you whatever? Cadenza (laughs) is an. Oh wait, it's not South African. It says South African, but then it says cadenza is an Italian term. For a virtuoso solo passage near the end of a piece of music, this informal sense probably comes from Danny Kaye's humorous 1940s recording, The Little Fiddle, in which the various instruments of the orchestra are explained in anthropomorphic terms. Along came a handsome young trumpet. When he clasps his eyes on the little fiddle, his heart went zing, and he gets so excited he has a big cadenza. Well, that is (laughs) so relevant to what we're talking about today. Do you know what it is? Do you know what to have a cadenza means as an idiom? No. To be extremely agitated. That's also super relevant to what we're talking about today. Well, it's almost cadence, and that's what we're talking about today. (laughs) If there was an idiom about cadence, it would have been right before the word cadenza, but there isn't one. So we had to settle on have a cadenza. Close enough. Yeah. So that's the idiom of the day. Have a cadenza. Wow. I'm out. That's like my, there's my snippet, the Dizzle snippet. Wow. And then um, I'll let these guys, these two nerds take it over for the actual <laughs> talk of cadence. That's all you got for us is cadenza? That's <laughs> Okay. Uh, so yeah, so as, uh, as these guys alluded to, today we're going to be talking about cadence. Uh, question of, is there an optimal cadence? And a whole bunch of others. And this topic came actually from a listener submitted question. Uh, so we'll get into that in a bit. Is there anything you want to talk about first? Did any, you guys do any racing or anything this weekend? Um, I did do some racing, but I talked about it on the uh, Bonk Bros podcast. I don't know if I want to repeat myself. This ain't the Bronk Bros podcast. This is the Matchbox <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so you're saying I should repeat myself? Just keep so it Dylan, short. Yeah, Dylan. We yeah, don't really care, so just keep weekend. it real short. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it short. <laughs> Um, especially because it's, it wasn't a great result or anything. So I don't, I don't feel the need to talk about it forever, but that's what training races are for, man. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) the third round of the lifetime grand prix series was, uh, last weekend and it was crusher and the tusher, which, uh, for those who don't know, it's a 70 mile gravel race with 10,000 feet of climbing at altitude, which, uh, was just as brutal as it sounds. Um, and I think I got like 30th in the race and 20th in the Grand Prix, which is definitely not great. But uh, considering that I literally just had COVID and and am not acclimated to altitude at all right now, I'll, I'll take what I can get. What about you guys? You guys do any racing? When was the last time I was on? Yeah, we did a podcast last week, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I you haven't talked about nationals. Like, today was my first time I rode my bike in like 10 days. 
It sucked. Wow. Did you do that on purpose? (laughs) It was terrible. (laughs) Yeah, mid-season break. Ten days is long, though, man. Well, I was out of town until yesterday, so... Mm. And I just didn't take my bike with me. Because I knew if I took my bike with me, I would have been tempted to ride it. Mm. Wow. Okay. It's going to be a long cross (laughs) season, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cross is coming, and I'm getting ready. (laughs) Good. Adam, what about you? Uh, I didn't race this past weekend, but we had we started our local short track mountain bike race mm-hmm. series last night. Uh, so I did race last night. It's like a 30-minute short track race. Take the dub? Yep. I attacked with three laps to go and nice. stayed away. Nice. It's the dub. <laughs> yeah. So actually, it's a that's actually kind of a seamless transition if Let's you guys are ready to get sh- right into it. This is it. the shortest um, so after that we've th- ever talked about. Our, it's, we're only five minutes in. <laughs> Half of that time we were talking about idioms, so cadenza. <laughs> <laughs> it's know, kind dude, of a bummer though, because we're probably going to lose so many racing. so many listeners when we started talking about cadenza that they're just we are like we are. <laughs> if, we you should, made, if you we made probably it through, cut that part. <laughs> if you made it through Drew talking about cadenza, then then uh, kudos, you know, good on you, good on you. Yeah. Now we're going to get into some some content here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so last night, so, so if I I think I've talked about this before, maybe with the gravel races, but I'm part of a organization that puts on all the local bike Mm -hmm. races here in Sioux Falls. And we do four fat bike races, four gravel races, four short track mountain bike races, and then some cyclocross races and another mountain bike festival. Um, But for the short track races, this year we're changing it up a little bit. Normally, so I design all the courses and normally I try to mix up the course every week. But this year I decided I wanted to do the same course all four weeks. Sounds kind of boring at first, but here's why I like it. Uh, it gives everyone a chance to improve from one week to the next. So it doesn't matter what your result is. You still have your own performance mm-hmm. to relate to, to see if you're saying, if you're you know having improvements throughout the series. Um, with that, the course has a big hill in it. So you do like this like short little single track section like on the down, like on the bottom aspect of the park. And then you climb from the bottom of the park to the top of the park. And it's, I don't know. I mean, it's not a big hill. It's like 60 feet or something. Like it's not that big, um, but it's pretty steep. And I don't know, me, it, it takes me about 30 seconds. Um, but Ken Pike, local gravel hero, uh, came out to the race on his mountain bike. So he's kind of new to mountain biking and he submitted this question afterwards. Cause he was, he was like, he said he was struggling a little bit on the climb and he got passed a couple times on this climb. Um, he knows that I'm a pretty good climber. So he asked afterwards, he said, Hey, so I'm curious about the climbing, about the physics behind speed, power, and strength. How much faster would one expect to go by putting out a higher cadence with a little less force versus a low cadence mm-hmm. and a lot of force? Also, are there any studies showing how much longer someone might be able to last in a workout or a race by changing up their cadence and not exerting as much force output with every pedal stroke? He says, I think you know why I'm (laughs) asking this question. Um, So I think what he's getting at is like, you know, if you were to put out the same amount of power, but you were to do so at a lower cadence versus a higher cadence, is one optimal over the other? Um, So that that brings us into the top of the cadence for the day. Yeah, I mean... um I think we can, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll address his, his question first. Um, talking about is, I, I think that what he's probably what he's trying to get at is there an optimal cadence that will deliver you the best performance. If I could condense his question down, right. All right. So this is a, this is a question that actually has a fair bit of research behind it, um, which I can't say for every topic in, uh, you know, sports physiology. Um, and you know, perhaps that's just because we've been able to measure cadence for a long time. And it's a, it's a question that cyclists have had for a long time. So, you know, research researchers have tried to answer it. Um, so typically in, in research where, um, you know, there, there are quite a few studies where they'll have subjects, you know, ride at a fixed low cadence, right at a fixed 
you know, normal cadence, however they define that and ride at a fixed high cadence. And then, you know, they might try to see which one produces the highest power output. And uh, it, it depends on how they set up the study. Um, like there are some studies that are very poorly set up. I can think of one off the top of my head where they had people ride at 85 RPM as like the high cadence, which is really just most people's normal cadence. And then the low cadence was like 40 RPM, which is way too low. I mean, I don't know anyone who rides at 40 RPM, even if you're a masher. Um, <laughs> and not surprisingly, 85 uh, RPM was produced better results than 40 RPM, uh, whether the, you know, whether they were sitting or standing. Um, I can't think of anyone who would be surprised by that, but some of these studies set it up better where they might, you know, the, the normal cadence is just the person's preferred cadence. Um, so whatever that may happen to be, whether it's 65 RPM or 95 RPM, cause you know, obviously people are different and some people naturally ride at a higher or lower cadence. And then they might reduce that cadence by five or 10% for their low cadence and then increase that cadence by five or 10% for their high cadence. And then again, they try to see, you know, uh, how, which cadence is producing the best outcome. And when they do this, what they generally find is that uh, whatever the person's preferred cadence is, when they're riding at their preferred cadence, they are performing at their best. Um, and like I said, there's a huge individual variability to this. Some people's preferred cadence is very low. You know, we call these people mashers <laughs> and some people's preferred cadence is very high and we call these people spinners. Right. Um, but it seems that whatever your preferred cadence is riding at that preferred cadence and not overthinking about this issue is actually the fastest way from point A to point B. So I don't know. I don't know if you guys had something to add to that. So, so, so Dylan, so I'm curious how how does how does an individual you know find out what their preferred cadence is? Like, how do you yeah? Determine well, that? it's it's actually super easy to find out. You don't need to do any math. You don't need to mm-hmm. you don't need to uh, learn anything really. You just ride your bike and don't think about it. <laughs> it's basically it. Because whatever, you know, and then when you're riding your bike, whatever cadence is the most comfortable for you to ride at that you don't have to think about like, oh, I need to pedal faster. Or, oh, I need to pedal slower. That, that, that's your preferred cadence. Now, so he was, he was talking a, a little bit about getting into the physics of, and I don't know if we're really going to get into physics here, but people talk about how, you know, maybe a higher low cadence might suit slow twitch people with a lot of slow twitch muscle fibers versus people with a lot of uh, fast twitch muscle fibers. There is an article on this that I actually uh, just dug up before, before we started recording on optimal cadence. And uh, they stated that the reduce in force required to maintain a constant power output um, favors the recruitment of slow twitch motor units. However, <laughs> um, Kind of in contradiction, velocity as the velocity increases, slow twitch units become inefficient as they move beyond their optimum contraction rate, while fast fast twitch units become increasingly efficient at high cadences. Basically, slow twitch muscles like the lower force needed at a higher cadence, but they don't like actually moving that fast, if that makes any sense. So this being said, if you prefer a high cadence, it, it's probably more likely that you have more fast twitch fibers than someone who prefers a low cadence. Um, but I mean, that's that rule of thumb is not, you know, uh, doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. And, and it's, you know, it, just, just because you prefer a slower, slower, fast cadence, that is not necessarily an indication of what your, your fiber type is. So, um, so did this guy like get dropped by you, Adam, and you were like just mashing this really hard gear and he was trying to spin it to win it behind you. And is that what provoked this question? That's what I'm, that's like the image I have in my mind. No, so it's actually the opposite. (laughs) So, um, so, (laughs) so, not the opposite of the result. (laughs) I still dropped him. But you were (laughs) spinning to win it and he was mashing. Yeah. So. So, so he said that this was actually provoked from an instance last year at one of our races where 
we did this like hill climb challenge where it's the same hill. We like set up a course where you had to start at the bottom and it was like, it was about a minute or so Mm -hmm. up to the top. And I had won that in like 40 some seconds. And I had noticed that when he, when it was his turn, I was watching and he had a super low cadence. He was just mashing, trying to grind his way up. And, you know, I don't remember if he was out of the saddle or in the saddle, but just like, you know, super low cadence, like 60 RPM probably. Um, versus like mine, when I went back, back and looked at it, it was probably, uh, you know, high eighties or low nineties, um, which was actually pretty comfortable for me. Like it wasn't, it definitely mm-hmm. wasn't like spinning to win it, but I was like, I, I you know, seemingly my preferred cadence for that. Um, so he said it was kind of like, he was thinking about it from then, but then he hasn't done much mm-hmm. mountain biking since then. So last night's race kind of like brought up the topic again, like mashing up this big climb. And there were a couple guys behind him that had said they, they could like hear his bike creaking, you know, cause he was just mashing this huge gear. And it was like, in, in so a, a couple months ago, he actually broke a chain kind of the same way. Um, mashing up a little pitchy climb, broke his chain. So I think that's kind of where it came from was he, he has seen me, we've ridden together a bunch and he sees that I typically will spin at a higher cadence than he does going up the climbs. Um, so, but he, but he's, you know, he's a little bit bigger guy than I am. He's strong, much stronger than I am as far as like, you know, pure muscle. Um, so he puts out quite a bit of power. So I think he's trying to figure out like by him, pedaling at that lower cadence is it catering more to his like physiology and being you know a little bit stronger guy or would he still benefit from trying to increase his cadence up you know up some of these yeah i mean the research would seem to indicate that it wouldn't um also there's you know there's a question of whether or not doing you know doing a different cadence in the moment will increase your performance in that moment and then there's there's another question here which is will will varying your cadence in training result in increased performance down the road, right? Um, like either doing low cadence drills or high cadence drills, uh, which, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's thought about that. Like maybe if he's such a masher, maybe he should do some high cadence dr- drills to try to increase his cadence. So I would the, make the, I would make the argument that, that, that varying your cadence might actually help you in a race Hmm. what's your reasoning might be far-fetched so drew so can you clarify so are you saying are you saying varying your cadence in training would help your race performance or are you saying varying your cadence in a race no i'm talking about in training performance uh Hmm. if you were to if you were to hit try to target specific cadence ranges uh, i'll be totally honest cadence isn't something that I, I, i i that i ever really focus on in training um except for in like the off season or something like that. Um, and we'll probably talk about this later on, but doing like fast cadence drills to work on pedal Mm -hmm. smoothness, but, um, but varying the cadence. So I'm going to, you know, kind of jump, jump around here. Um, I read a book on how your brain works and how we learn. So maybe this is far fetched, but maybe you guys can see where I'm going with this. And our brain, so a common misconception is that for us to get really good at something, we need to repeat, 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 repeat. And that's actually not the best way we learn. It's better if we intersperse our learning. So basically, if you mix up your learning. So so a very good example of this is if you're practicing your batting for a baseball, whatever you call that batting practice. And you go to the batting cages and you do 20, 20 pitches at 80 miles per hour. You do 20 pitches at 90 miles per hour. And then you start over and go to 20 pitches at 60 miles per hour, whatever it is. And you, so you repeat, repeat, repeat 20. You focus on the the slow ball. You focus on the fast one. Um, So, and what you're doing is you're getting, I mean, you're, you're getting really good at that. And then when you switch, you're getting really good at the other thing, but that's not how a baseball game plays out. A baseball game plays out where the pitcher can throw you a fastball and a slow ball, whatever, back to back. Um, I don't watch baseball, so you gotta, you gotta sure. roll with me here. You got a slow ball, a medium, you got the slow ball, the, ball the medium ball, ball, and the hard ball. Those are the only three that I know. Um, and so interspersing your practice. So if you could set up the pitching, machine to to just randomly throw throw you balls at different speeds that would be the best way to learn 
um, not just repeating the same thing over and over and over again. And so if you were to take that same thinking over to bike practice, maybe we should vary our cadence throughout a workout so that we don't get stuck in this like one cadence range because there, maybe there are times, especially in a mountain bike race, which is what we're talking about, where you're going to be forced to maybe do some low cadence or high cadence or whatever. Um, you can control your cadence a little bit more so in, in road racing and gravel and stuff like that. But I don't sure. know. Maybe, maybe that's far-fetched. But No, I mean, so, so okay. So to go back to like kind of what you were talking about, like the, the brain training, I, I've heard that. And I, it's actually something that I've adopted with my golf training. Uh, kind of similar thing to the batting cages there. Like if you go to the driving range and you just take one club and you're trying to hit the same shot over and over when you're first starting out, that's okay. Cause you're trying to learn the fundamentals. Once you get to a certain skill level, you're, you're only going to improve by varying your, your practice method. Um, and this can actually be applied to, to practicing mm-hmm. skills as well. So a lot of, a lot of times when, when someone's kind of new to mountain biking or they're trying to learn a new mountain bike skill or, or any skill on the bike, um, like let's say they go to a, like they're trying to work on their uphill switchbacks. They'll go to that switchback and th- they'll do, you know, th- they'll, they'll work on it until they get the switchback, they clean it. And then they'll go back and mm-hmm. do it 20 times. And they think like, Oh, I'm so much better at switchbacks now, but you're just better at that one switchback. You figure out the line, you figure out how to, you know, hop over that little rock or, you know, pedal up the steep part of the you know crux of the trail. Um, but then you go to the next switchback and you're like, you can't clean it all of a sudden. And you're like, what the heck? I just, I just practiced this. What, what's not, well, you know, what's not working here, but it's the same, same concept. So, um, you know, for anyone out there working on skills, like it's good to work on fundamentals and that block training like that. Uh, so you can, you know, work on technique and, and just basic fundamentals. But then once you're trying to improve past the fundamentals, you've got to mix it up. So, you know, do that switchback. Once you get it once, go to the next switchback. Don't go back and try and, you know, session that 10 times in a row. You can session it until you get it. That's different because uh, every single time you're trying something different. Once you get it one time, you want to go on to the next one or the mm-hmm. next skill or whatever it is. Um, so, but so so Drew to go over to your your thing. Though I'm not sure how it works with something like cadence because it's like I mean you're pedaling at 70 RPMs like that already is fairly mm. repetitive. Um, so I'm I'm not exactly sure, but I do agree with you that especially for something like mountain biking or cyclocross. Make, having a variety of cadences that are within your range of, uh, I, it's still not going to be your preferred, but mm-hmm. your comfortable range of cadence is going to be hugely beneficial. Uh, mountain biking in particular, you've got rocks and roots and um, berms and, and all different things that like, you've got to know exactly where your pedals right. are at all times. And if you're just stuck on, you know, one cadence, but you need to slow down your cadence in order to get through this rock garden or up over this technical feature, or maybe you need to spin up this spin your cadence a little higher because you're, um, I don't know, trying to find traction or something like that, or you got to get up this super steep section. Um, you've got to be able to comfortably adjust your cadence like that. So I, I do think that there is merit. Now, if we're, if we're talking about training as far as trying to improve fitness, I think it goes back to preferred cadence Mm -hmm. in, in which you're just trying to put out, you know, the most efficient amount of power or whatever, you know, energy during a set interval session. So you're, you're probably best off going back to your preferred cadence for something like that. Um, and, and working on cadence drills when you're riding endurance or on a recovery ride or just a skills yeah, day or something. And that's like actually that. what the research says about training at, at different cadences. If I didn't say this already was that, uh, they, they've done studies where they've had people do intervals at low cadence and intervals at high cadence and intervals at preferred cadence. And what they find is that the, you know, when they have subjects train at their preferred cadence, they make the most fitness gains. And if you really think about this, uh, it makes sense why that would be the case. So going back to the first, you know, what I was first talking about is, is people's performance is optimal at their preferred cadence So if your performance is optimal at your preferred cadence, that probably means that when you're doing intervals, your intervals will be higher quality. If you do them at your preferred cadence, if your intervals are higher quality because you're doing them at your preferred cadence, then you will probably make better fitness gains. Um, 
at least that's my that's my line of thinking on it. Um, there could be there could be other factors at play, obviously, but um, I guess the one so you know we're, when we're talking about having uh, being able to ride at a lot of different cadences and having you know a range of cadences that are comfortable for you, I do think that that can be important, uh, especially if we're talking about different disciplines like mountain biking or cyclocross. What I will say though, is that, you know, if we're, if we're using the baseball analogy or the golf analogy, uh, I, I, I would say that the difference with cycling, unless you're on a single speed is that you can choose the gear you're in at all times. And quite frankly, if you're riding up something so steep that you are grinding when you don't want to be grinding, then, um, that doesn't mean that you should learn how to grind. That means you need lower gears on your bike. And at least in my opinion, uh, if you, if you are ever riding, yeah, if you are ever get fitter. racing, it, it, like it, if you're doing a race and you're, and you're ever riding at a cadence that's lower or higher than you would like to be at, then you need to adjust your gears accordingly for that course. That means you pick the wrong gearing for that course. The little funny story here, uh, before like my first or second year at collegiate mountain bike Nats, I took my bike in my, my coach worked at the local shop and I was like, Hey, I want to convert my mountain bike to one by that's what all the cool kids are doing. Um, I never use the little ring. Um, but so let's convert this thing to like a one by. And so I told him like, yeah, just take, you know, take it all off, put a, put a smaller ring on whatever. Uh, and I would go to pick up my bike and he took the front derailleur off and, and, and took the little ring off. And I, I noticed it was just the big ring. And I was like, uh, what's up? He said, yeah, your cranks won't work. Like the, the spacing was weird. And he's like, so we couldn't put a ring on there that, you know, like we couldn't change out the ring. So, you know, I made your bike one by, but you're just going to have the big ring. And it was like a, it's like a 34 tooth or something like that. And so I go out to like angel fire, New Mexico and the start line is like just up this pitch mm-hmm. and I was forced to ride it in my big ring. And, um, luckily I had just enough fitness to like make it work. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if I had one less gear, I probably would have just like stalled out on the climb. I mean, it was like, it forced me to like, it forced me to pedal at my preferred cadence, but that ultimately like, also forced me to ride at a higher power, which ultimately made me ride a little faster. So in the grand scheme of things, I did okay. But in hindsight, maybe that wasn't a great decision. So are you saying that, are you saying that this, this helped you in the race or it hurt you? Yeah, totally helped me. Totally (laughs) helped me. Okay. I think I would have wussed out and like totally dropped it in my little ring. uh, If if I had one, (laughs) but I didn't have one. So that wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and okay so i've noticed this and i'm pretty sure there is something to this but anytime like because you know if you go between your little ring and your big ring there is some overlap between your easiest gear and your big ring and your hardest gear and your little ring and i always feel better if i'm in my big ring like just i don't know there's something about the the way the chain moves around the gears i don't know what it is but i always feel like i'm going faster if i'm in my big ring is there is there anything to that? Does that have anything to do with cadence, oh, or is that boy, just? Are we getting into drivetrain efficiency here? Is that efficiency? <laughs> is that an efficiency thing? That's not a cadence thing. Uh, well, I mean, we can. We I don't have to go there. Like, I I feel like I feel like what you're talking about is more of a mental thing than anything. Mm. But if we if we want to talk about drivetrain efficiency for two minutes here, because I guess it's it's relevant when we're talking about gear selection. Yeah, let's do it. So <laughs> two minutes, let's start the timer. We, that's two all minutes. we got, dude. We still got more cadence talk. Right. Sure. So, <laughs> dude, this is late night pod, man. We're about to get crazy yeah. dizzle pretty soon. <laughs> so, so, okay. So if you, the, um, the bigger chain ring is actually more efficient for your drivetrain because your chain doesn't have to articulate as much. Um, if it's going around a bigger ring mm. and, if your chain doesn't ha- have to articulate as much, then it doesn't have to rub. The plates don't have to rub each other as much, and there's less friction. So have, having a bigger ring is actually more efficient. It's part of the reason why, if you look at the Tour de France, you know, the Tour de France is going on right now. If you look at the Tour de France bikes, um, 
they were running the biggest chain rings we've ever seen. Like the TT guys were running, I don't know, 64 tooth chain rings is crazy. And that's not because they're going so fast that they're spinning out. It's because they want a more efficient drivetrain. Now this question gets a little bit, it gets a little bit more complicated though. If, uh, because we also have to take into account chain line. So for example, Riding in the big ring when you're going uphill and you have to be like biggest cog in the back and and big ring up front is probably less efficient. In fact, it is less efficient. I know it's less efficient because you're cross-chaining, right? You want to avoid cross-chaining. Cross-chaining is is by far going to sap you of more watts than, than having your chain on the big ring is going to save you. Uh, so, and how and many, that goes, how, that, how many, how many oversized pulley systems would that cost you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, probably two or three. <laughs> so, uh, so if uh, you want to avoid cross chaining, um, I mean, I personally, this is the reason why I, I, I'll run one by on my mountain bike because it's, there's not even like two by mountain bike drive trains available anymore and quite honestly I, I don't i don't know if it matters as much for mountain biking but this is the reason why i still run two by for gravel um and road for that matter is because a two by drive train is more efficient simply because you're cross chaining less um and uh you know it it, it depends on it depends on what you're doing, obviously. If you're doing a flat TT where you're never going to need the little ring or something, there there were plenty of you know plenty of riders in the opening opening prologue or stage of the tour that was a TT that didn't have a little ring. But um, generally, if you're riding on rolling terrain or hilly terrain or doing a lot of climbing, a two by drivetrain is going to be more efficient because you don't have to cross chain as much. Wow, that was exactly two minutes. Good job. Yeah, so now I want to touch on something you said there. So you mentioned that cross-training, you, or you said that you never want to, you want to try and avoid cross-chaining at all sure. costs or something like that. Just make sure you don't take this out of context. If if you have to cross-chain in order to hit your preferred mm. cadence, that's still going to be better. So, you know, if if you have more gears to use, you're going to be better off in that preferred cadence range than trying to mash because you're trying to save some watts. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I guess the the what I'm I know what you sure, were getting at. I, sure. I just what I'm to saying for what folks. I'm saying is that if you I like I'll do this when I'm when I'm riding. I'll look down at my drivetrain real quick to see that I'm not cross chaining. And what I mean by this is like if you're if you're in your your second to biggest cog in the back and your big ring, a more efficient way that you could run your drivetrain is if you were in your small ring and your fourth biggest cog from the back. That would be because then your chain wouldn't be as cross chain and you could ride at the same cadence. Right. Here's a little cyclocross tip for you cyclocross nerds out there. If it's ever really like crazy muddy and you're one of those goofballs that doesn't run a chain guard on your front ring because most cross bikes are worn by these days, if it ever gets super muddy and your cogs get covered in mud or ice, um, that will actually like if you put your if you try to put your chain in the highest cog or lowest cog, sometimes that'll make your chain come off of your front ring. I did a race once where like I basically had to pull out of the race because I couldn't my chain kept just coming off the front ring because so much mm-hmm. mud was in the cog and the front ring and I didn't have a B bike at the time. And after the race I had found out, oh, if I had just left my chain in the middle cog and like basically run at single speed, like or maybe I had two or three gears but left them right in the middle of the cog, it would have kept my chain in line and I could have finished the race just in that one gear. But I thought my bike was broken, so I like didn't even finish. So, some a little tip there. It, 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 yeah. it might happen, you know. You never know. When I was uh, when when I was coming up, and I, you know, was running really haphazard bikes that were, you know, had <laughs> constantly had worn out drivetrains. 
uh, on the mountain bike, if you're descending and you have a super worn out drivetrain with no clutch derailleur, which probably applies to no one listening to this, but uh, if you keep <laughs> your chain line straight while you're descending, it's less likely to pop off the front chain ring. <laughs> there you go. See, same, same, same concept. True. All right. So I have a question about preferred cadence, and and this is how I think about it in my head. Should you pedal your preferred cadence? until it drops too low because i feel like if your preferred cadence is under 70 that's just too low there has to be like (laughs) there has to be a minimum right or a maximum like there's got to be a cutoff where yeah if you're pedaling if you're pedaling 50 rpm it'd be better if you were pedaling 90 like even if your preferred cadence is 50 there's no way that that's faster than 80 or 90 there's yeah, got to be like a range. Well, so so even even if I mean, let's just say hypothetically, someone's preferred cadence at sixty is equivalent in inefficiency to someone's preferred cadence at eighty. I'm sure there is that lower limit. Um, and if you're at sixty is your preferred cadence, you're pretty close to that low limit, right? So you 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 don't probably have twenty RPM below that that you can fluctuate between. Um, if you're a triathlete and you're just pedaling on flat roads and straight as an arrow all the time, maybe that's fine because you can pedal at 60 RPMs all day. Uh, but if your preferred cadence is 60 and you're going to race cyclocross or mountain bike or gravel even or something like that, and you, you're just forced because of the terrain at some points to deviate from that preferred cadence, like, you know, if you're at 60, you're going to, you're going to drop below, you know, into some real low cadences pretty quick versus if you're at 80 or 90, you've got a pretty wide range that you can fluctuate between and still be in a, you know, relatively normal mm-hmm. cadence range. Yeah. I was, I mean, you know, it's an interesting question. Is there, is, is there too low? And I guess the other end of this question is, is there too high? I mean, I remember riding with a guy when I was a junior who he would just ride around at like 115 cadence. That was just what he preferred to ride at. And it, and when you were riding with him, it looked like he was spinning his brains out constantly. Uh, but he said that's what he liked to ride at. So, I mean, I don't see any reason not to believe him. <laughs> but uh, So I guess the question is, like, is there a point at which it's too low and is there a point at which it's too high? I mean, from the research that I've done, and I've actually looked into this topic quite extensively, um, I haven't seen a an article that suggests that there is a lower limit or an upper limit. Um, that doesn't mean that there isn't one. I'm just saying I have not seen one that suggests that it has to be. We'll just say, <laughs> we'll just say there's the science yeah. just hasn't I'm there. Sure, I'm sure for, for every end of, yeah. And every individual has to have some mm-hmm. lower and upper limit. Uh, and it's probably worthwhile finding that out in training too. you know, like, I don't know, 40 RPMs, I don't yeah. care what the wattage is. Like yeah. that's just going to be hard to do if your if your normal cadence is sure. ninety. Um, I think what you're saying is like you're you're saying as far as like preferred cadence and efficiency, there's not a lower and an upper limit. But I'm sure every individual, based on what your preferred cadence is, you have a lower and an upper limit. So it's good to find that, and if you can expand that, would be I think would be beneficial too. You know, doing some high cadence drills, doing some low cadence drills, just so when you get in those situations mm-hmm. in a race. Uh, it's not completely yeah, and also, foreign to you, um, but I do know that there there have been studies on like the physiological differences between them. Like I I, I want to say at like higher higher cadences, your VO two is going to mm-hmm. be a little bit higher. So I'm not talking about VO two max. I'm just saying like your your oxygen right. your rate of oxygen intake is going to be a little bit higher versus at a little bit lower cadence. I don't know exactly. I I don't remember if the study looked at preferred cadence, like higher or lower, or if that was just taking two sub subgroups of individuals, regardless of what their mm-hmm. preferred cadence was. Um, but I know that the group at like a hundred RPM, their VO two was higher than the group that was pedaling at 80 sure. RPM. Um, and I think that same study was also talking about the, the maximum power output of the hundred cadence group was slightly lower than the maximum power output of the 80 mm. cadence group trying, you know, they were, they were basically concluding that those who kept their cadence at 80 when instructed to put out their maximum power 
we're able to produce a little bit higher power. Yeah, it's interesting because if you're going for a sprint, um, most sprints are actually done at a higher cadence, not a lower cadence. Um, you know, we're talking about like a hundred plus. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, there, there are definitely different things physiologic, physiologically going on when you're at a lower, high, higher cadence. I just don't know how. I don't know if you actually need to be taking that, thinking about that, uh, like mid effort and saying, oh, you know, my, my VO2 is higher when I'm at a higher cadence. Therefore I either need to lower my cadence or, or raise my cadence. I, I think your body is actually smart and it's doing the thinking for you. And for at least what I've seen from the research, whatever is most comfortable is, is, I think one the way one research article put it, and I'm probably going to butcher this the the freely chosen cadence is is like the perfect crossover point between the most um, I forget what the first word they used, but it's like the most mechanically efficient cadence. And oh man, I'm going to butcher this quote. I'm not even going to try because I'm going to butcher it. But basically, right the the crossover <laughs> point between what's going physio- physiologically on in your body, like maybe that's that's muscular strength, maybe it's your aerobic capacity. Your body is saying this cadence. You need to ride at this cadence in order to maximize, um, you know, maximize your physiology. And your and your body is actually smart, and it's doing that for you. It's not necessarily something that you need to consciously think about. And, and what I will say too, is that your preferred cadence isn't one number. It's not like, oh, I, I like to ride at 80 RPM and just, you know, I'm always 80 RPM, 80, 80, 80. You know, if you're climbing, maybe your preferred cadence is lower. If you're on a flat, maybe your preferred cadence is higher. If you're tired, people's preferred cadence goes down. If you're fresh, your preferred cadence is probably higher. Um, you know, there, there are all these factors that can actually change someone's preferred cadence in the moment. So somebody's preferred cadence could be a range, right? It could be, you know, I like to ride anywhere between, you know, 75 and 85 or something like that. All right. I have two follow-up questions. Yeah, for sure. For um, so let me throw this curveball at you. Um, <laughs> if you're riding at the same, let's say somebody's riding at the same power and two different cadences but same power mm-hmm. would a low cadence or a high cadence be faster or does it matter doesn't matter power power output is power output and then so it doesn't even, matter how fast your legs are spinning so so except if we go back right. to dylan's Take that driving out. efficiency I'm not talking about. I'm not talking if, about efficiency. I'm okay. just talking about yeah. cadence. Would a, <laughs> but, would a faster if you, cadence if you were, for some reason be faster? So <laughs> no. But if we're talking about drivetrain efficiency, your your chain actually does have to articulate more the the, the faster your cadence is. So that's but, what, that <laughs> means that means it, more watts because your chain that's just more friction and all that. Sure, right? sure. There's more friction in your no, chain. No, it if has you have to, to if you're at a higher cadence. It goes faster because yeah. it has to No, less. The opposite. Well, it depends if you're if you're getting into We're not cross talking about chaining efficiency. Or uh, Let's drop it. Cuz articu- articulating it's going to articulate less all right, so, over so check a the, bigger gear. So this so this gets, or over, so this gets yeah. a little bit complicated. So if let's you're riding at a high so so let's forget let's I say asked. let's say you're not I'm having no, no, a cadenza. No, I'm having a cadenza. This is this is interesting. This is interesting. <laughs> so let's say let's say that in both scenarios you're cross chaining the same amount, right? So you're the the cross chaining is not perfect. Per, cha- perfect the, chain. Both line. people are riding a single speed. Just one person has a harder gear and one person has an easier gear. Yeah, that's what I assume. I, f- I figured we'd all just assume that. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Straight all right. Chains. So, come on. But from a drive trade efficiency <laughs> standpoint. I, I, the way I'm thinking about it, I think that the high cadence would be actually less efficient because the chain, the chain links have to articulate more per minute, right? Meaning because it goes through all those pulleys because that the chain, the times. chain is going around the drivetrain more times more, per minute if your cadence right. is higher. Yeah. Right. So not at all what I was asking, <laughs> but not but, at but all. It has, to articulate, it has to articulate through a greater See, range. This is not an efficiency pipe. Or I mean, a lower, sure a lower range. So, so we're, we're both, getting off yeah. topic, but both would but, be the same speed. 
If you are putting out the same <laughs> power output, then your speed is going to be the same. All right, so that was the medium speed pitch. Now here comes the the hard the hard fast pitch. Same scenario, same power, mm-hmm. different cadences. Is there one that burns more or less calories? Because that is important. Mm. So I'm talking about physiology. Would would a lower cadence or a higher cadence save you more energy? So, like, if we're talking about the number of kilojoules expended, I mean, I like if you according to Training Peaks, right? When when you upload to Training Peaks and then they show you how many kilojoules you did, that has nothing to do with what your cadence was. That's all about what your your power output was over the course of the ride, right? Um, so right. does that so I'm saying same power, same power. Does that necessarily represent what's going on physiologically in your body? I I'll be honest, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Wow, um, I stumped Dylan. Dude, I say I don't know the answer yes. to things all the time, man. <laughs> all right. <laughs> if so I don't know the answer, I don't know the answer. The reason I ask is because maybe this is just like an old school roadie mindset kind of thing, but I've always like grown up thinking that if I can spin a little bit of a higher cadence early in a race, I'm saving energy and for, for later in the race. I don't know how that, well, you're probably doing less, you're probably doing less muscular damage. I wouldn't, I I wouldn't say you're saving a significant amount of energy, but you are doing less muscular damage, which could help you later in the race. Maybe can, can you explain the muscle damage thing? Maybe. I think that's relevant, right? Well, I mean, it's like, you know, if you, you know, go to the gym and do squats on a squat rack, you're doing a lot of muscle damage. It's not nearly that, you know, it's not, it's not nearly that intense of a stimulus, but right. You know, it's, it's doing a little bit more muscle damage than probably, uh, riding at a high cadence would. Um, and I, I think that there, there is a, there is a paper that talks about this in terms of doing stage racing, where perhaps you may feel better the next day during a stage race if you were to ride at a high cadence. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, actually. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> that on recovery days, you should shoot for the higher end of your you know, preferred mm-hmm. cadence. You're obviously not trying to go out and do fast cadence, but I've heard that spinning a little bit faster on recovery days is better as well. I it's just been something 100%. that I've... I, I'm a hundred percent an advocate of not doing recovery days on climbs. I know there are, I, I've, I've, when I was in college, people all the time would go do a recovery day, like on, uh, on like some local mountain bike trail that has like a really steep climb and then a descent just cause they want to mountain bike. And I'm like, that's not, you're riding up a, a, you know, 15% grade, First of all, I don't think that you can sustain recovery power output up a 15% grade. And even if you were to sustain recovery power output up a 15% grade, your cadence is going to be way too low and and you're probably doing more muscle damage than you want on a recovery day. And it would take you an hour to get to the top. Sure, that too. <laughs> all right, cool. Maybe that's a good transition. So, Go ahead, so this, so Drew, so the study, the study that that I was referring to earlier, they they did find that the subjects who who pedaled at eighty RPMs versus the subjects who pedaled at hundred RPMs, they expended five to six percent less energy than those at at higher cadence. Uh, I, yeah, for what it's worth, it's. The effects of cadence on aerobic capacity following a prolonged varied intensity cycling trial from 2014. So, again, that's just one study. There's a lot so, of, there, I mean, there's like okay, hundreds so to, to clarify, of studies. Was it higher um, cadence or lower cadence that expended more energy? Higher cadence mm-hmm. expended more energy. And during the final maximal effort uh, at the end of the, the, the training session, those with the higher cadence produced a lower maximum power output. Probably because they... So they they, sure. they they expended more energy and produced wow. lower power. Uh, for for what Dang, it's worth, that's, that's, again, that's, that's end of double one. Double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> they worked yeah. harder and they went slower. Bummer. That sucks. <laughs> Dang. 
Well, or or they went slower in the end right, because true, they expended true, more true. energy. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, a hundred. Would would you say the high cadence group was at a hundred RPM? Sure. Yeah, hundred. Hundred is 80. particularly high. Um, but yeah, and eighty is probably yeah. closer to these people's preferred cadence, right? So. Yeah, and you and you guys have felt. I mean, let's. So we're all elite athletes here across different disciplines. You know, uh-huh. Dylan, thanks, Tom, man. Gravel, Drew. I don't know, crit, crit racer and cyclocross. You know, I do gravel, mountain bike, and cyclocross. What's ever? What is your guys' preferred? Oh no, uh, look at it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you had a ten RPM range that you that yeah, you I say, mean, I I Drew pull up training. So I have a good guess. If I'm if I'm right, it 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 honestly depends on what I'm doing. Um, like my cadence when I'm doing a zone two ride is quite different than when I'm racing. Um, yeah. Agreed. And and here here's another thing about this whole conversation, not to sidetrack what what your question was, but it seems that at higher as power outputs get higher, cadence increases. And so this could be on an individual level, and it's actually seems to be across individuals. So pros tend to have a higher cadence. This is not necessarily true. I mean, there's t- plenty of mashers who are pros. But pros tend to have a higher cadence. And there's there was an article that was saying that this is probably not because they learned to ride at a higher cadence and therefore they got faster and therefore they're pro. But it's probably just because they've gotten to a fitness level where they can maintain a power output um, where this kind of cadence is what their body prefers. If that if that makes any sense, um, so it's like it's like the chicken or the egg. Did sure. these did these pro like did you learn to ride at a high cadence and therefore you produce a high power output, or do you produce a higher power output and therefore you're riding at a high cadence? It seems to be the latter. You produce a high power output, therefore you ride at a high cadence. And and also I want to say. Not all pros ride at a high cadence. I know that, like in the Lance Armstrong era, people were like, "Oh, dude, Lance, Lance spins to win. You got to spin to win." Um, I mean, there's plenty. I can throw out plenty of examples of pros who mash. So, you know, uh, the, I, I feel like I feel like whatever whoever is the fastest pro at the time, people just look at what their cadence is and they're like, "Oh, that's what I need to do." This is not the case at all. Yeah, and and I guess that's more or less what mm. I was kind of trying to get at with even proposing the question was i would guess that all three of us have a i mean we probably all have a different preferred cadence um and i'm kind of like drew like i've i've probably as soon as i got heart rate like a heart rate strap my cadence monitor or whatever you call it um cadence sensor like got thrown in the trash like I, i i didn't care about cadence anymore and then as soon as I got a power meter, like I have cadence on my bike, so like I can still measure it, but I've never once displayed cadence. Like I just, it's not something I think about. And, and kind of like you, Dylan, I, my cadence changes, like my preferred cadence on the mountain bike is lower than my preferred yep. cadence on the gravel bike. Uh, I race single speed for cyclocross. So that doesn't, it's kind of irrelevant, but um, even, even like climbing on the mountain bike versus riding like flatter or rolling uh, terrain or something like that uh, sometimes changes. It depends on what the what the grade of the the, the trail is or, or what the uh, surface of the trail is. Like if if it's you know hard packed versus something that's softer and looser, or chunkier. Like my cadence is going to change sure. quite a bit. Or even how I'm feeling. Like if if I'm feeling tired, then then I might resort to a little bit higher cadence to try and like if my if I'm cramping or if my muscles are feeling tired i might go a little bit higher in the cadence range if i'm feeling strong or like attacking or something i might have a little bit taller gear uh just kind of i mean if i'm so i mean i'll throw out two like polar opposite scenarios here for me to kind of show you the range that i operate at if i'm doing a zone two ride and let's say i'm like towards the end of a block so i'm really fatigued and i'm climbing up a hill i mean that's that's like three whammies right there to my cadence you know, I could be riding at 70 RPM and that's comfortable for me. If I'm as fresh as I could be, it's a race and we're on a flat section. I, I could be riding over 90 RPM comfortably. So there, there's a lot of factors and it's very situation dependent. Sure. I looked it up. My preferred cadence, <laughs> is, my preferred cadence is 85 up. to 95. I, 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 I knew this cool. in, 
it was a little bit lower than I anticipated. I thought I was like 90 to 100. Um, but like on today, I was just riding endurance, like really chill. And my average was like 85. But I looked at a couple weeks ago, I was doing some two minute power intervals. And when I was doing them in the flat, like on flat ground, um, it would creep up to closer to 95. So like the harder I go on, mm-hmm. and if this is just all on flat terrain, uh, the harder I go, I, I notice that my cadence creeps higher and higher, which I think is what you said. Dylan. I, I it's like it, during a sprint, usually your cadence gets over a hundred. Sure. But also people. something to, something to keep in mind with this. I mean, if you ever look at your cadence and, and people are different with this, some people who are like really prefer spinning, maybe their cadence gets higher, higher as they get more fatigued. Um, but at least for me, and I think this is the case for most people, uh, if you if you look at your cadence during say a twenty minute FTP test, which is obviously very fatiguing, and by the you know minute nineteen of the twenty minute FTP test, you are af- absolutely going to be at a ten out of ten perceived exertion. Right? Generally, what I see, and this is definitely the case for myself, is that cadence is dropping as the FTP test is progressing. So, you know, I might start at 93 RPM and then by the end of the end of the test, I'm at, I'm at 83 RPM. I have another random question. Wait, Adam, do, do you have something <laughs> to say? No, I was just going to say we, we better wrap this up soon. because right, one like last question that I was thinking us. about, and this kind of goes back to the speed component <laughs> of cadence. Um, if you think about BMX racers, those guys have crazy high cadences. And I think if you were to talk to a BMXer, I'm not an expert here, but they would probably say it has something to do with the acceleration out of the gate. Um, if they have mm-hmm. too big of a gear, they won't be able to accelerate out of the gate. So I wonder yep. if anybody has ever tried to actually do a higher gear, have a slower start, but then pass everybody on the final straight because they can mm-hmm. actually pedal. Because like, dude, like a BMX race, like they drop the gate, they pedal, but as soon as they get up to speed, which is usually at the bottom of the first descent, like off the start gate, they're already at like 120 RPM. And you're like, holy crap, how are their legs moving so fast? But then you look at them down the final straight and they're like coasting. I'm like, dude, if I had a bigger sure. gear, I'd pedal that thing all the way to the line, pass some dudes. So... So I am not an expert in BMX racing by any means, and I've never even done a BMX race. But I had a I had a good friend in college who was quite into it, and uh, and I we actually talked about this quite a bit. Um, so here's my here's my limited knowledge on that. All right, um, like half of BMX racing is just getting out of the gate before everyone else. Um, okay. Like if if you get the whole like getting the whole shot is. It's not everything in BMX racing, but it's 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 close, right? It's so important that you because passing people in a BMX race is actually quite challenging, you know, uh, and it's and it's also dangerous, and it's where crashes happen and all of this. So having the gear for the start of the race is more important than having the gear for the rest of the race, quite honestly. Okay. And and believe me, BMX racers do play with their with their gear ratios. Like, it's not like they're like, Oh, well, this is the gear gearing that I run. And you know, I'm never going to change it. Believe me, they, they play with their gear ratios. Um, and I mean, I think that's what they find. They find that whatever, whatever gear ratio is going to give them the best snap out of the gate. Uh, and the, you know, the most likelihood of getting a whole shot, you know, that, that is, that's, what's going to produce the best results for them. Yeah. So if we condense this, if we take everything that you just said and transfer it to cyclocross, I should start in an easier gear versus a harder gear so that I can accelerate off the line. But in that case, I can shift so I don't have to like spin 120. Sure. I, I, yeah. I think that a big mistake that yeah. a lot of people make with sprinting, like if they're trying to, you know, if they're trying to work on their sprint, is that they're usually trying to sprint in too hard of a gear. Yeah. Um, and, and I would saying, say yeah. that if you, you know, if you practice this where like, say you try to sprint in a hard gear and then try to sprint in a little bit of, of an easier gear, you'll probably find that your max power is actually a little bit higher in the easier gear. As long as you don't pick a gear that's 
way too easy. I'm saying, you know, if you, if you pick a gear that allows you to get to a cadence of like 105, you know, that's probably, you're probably going to do a better max power than if you picked a gear that allowed you to get to a cadence of, I don't know, 95 or 90. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll, I'll talk about this just real quick from, from two angles. One, I've got a lot of experience with mm-hmm. single speed cyclocross because that's, I, I, I've primarily raced single speed cyclocross for the last like th- three or four seasons. Uh, it's just fun and it's a good, uh, it's good training. Um, and, and I've played with my gears a bunch and, you know, all the macho guys want to be out there with like a, you know, 42, 16 or something like a pretty heavy, tall gear. Um, but I've found like for myself, like I, I race the best and, and by best, I mean the fastest, like I've won the most number of races against both geared and single speed, uh, like cat one riders, um, in, in a, in a shorter gear. So, uh, like, you know, a smaller gear and, and I find it's because I can accelerate out of every single corner, just that much faster. Uh, you know, and, and with something like cyclocross where you're, it's not, you're, you're not on straight flat, like, you know, um, you know, drags for, for too long. You know, there's so many corners that if you've got 40 corners and you can pick up half a second in every corner, that's going to be way more than you're going to gain on those flat sections, the straightaway sections at, you know, having one gear or two gears higher. Um, and this, this applies directly to maybe not so much road racing, but, uh, mountain bike racing for sure. Every single corner is an opportunity to accelerate at a little bit faster speed by having the right gear. And I tell, you know, my athletes or or friends or whoever I'm riding with all the time, like having the right gear exiting a corner is super key. And most people forget about it because you, you coast for like, you know, maybe 10 seconds before a tight corner or something. And most people, as soon as they start coasting their whatever gear they were in is going to be the gear that they're coming out of the next corner in. And more often than not, you're exiting that corner at a slower speed than you were the last time you're pedaling. So they get stuck in too tall of a gear and they're just mashing out of that corner or then they like go to shift and their bikes making a bunch of noise or whatever. And it, and it results in like way slower speeds. Uh, Like you can pick up like easily a second out of a corner by being in the right gear. This, this also applies to gravel racing or gravel riding or hilly road racing. Um, like pedaling the descents, helps you be in the right gear once you do pick up you know and kind of hit the you know the back side of the roller uh and you're kind of going uphill again if you've been coasting down the entire you know back side of the of that roller and now you're in your like easiest gear from when you're at the top of the roller as soon as you go to start pedaling you've got like no gear to you know to, to pedal with versus if you're coasting down one like you're gaining speed because you're or if you're pedaling down the hill, like you're gaining speed because you're pedaling, but two, you're going to be in the, the right gear more often than not once you do go back uphill. Um, so I, I think it's something that people overlook a lot with technical aspects of riding is, is just selecting I pulled the right up training gears. peaks again and looked at my sprint from amateur Nats because I was curious. <laughs> um, in that sprint, I hit my max power for the whole race, which for me is only 1,200 watts. Um, yeah, I know that's pathetic. But it was also, I also hit 107 RPM. So, yeah, kind of like exactly what Dylan said. Like you said, right around 105. 1200 is not bad. What are you talking about? Yeah. Especially but at if, the end of a race. It'd be better if it was 1300. Well, sure. It'd be better if it was a million, <laughs> but. Yeah, I know. That's what, that was the joke. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Nice. Well, does that wrap it up? I should probably get off. It's 10 p.m. and my wife is probably having a cadenza because I've been potting for so long. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right, guys. We'll see you later. See you guys. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go! Let's go!